Are you a man looking for an intensive program to help you overcome sexually addictive behaviors? Gateway to Freedom is your answer. Gateway to Freedom is a three-day workshop for men seeking to overcome any destructive sexual habits. Whether married, single, or divorced, Gateway to Freedom will help men regain hope for a new life of purity and real contentment. The workshop is conducted by experts in the field of sexual addiction recovery with decades of combined experience. Read testimonials of workshop alumni at gatewaymen.com get all the info and register online at gatewaymen.com or call 1-800-49-PURITY Good day, radio listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. We're glad to have you with us. My name is Jonathan, and uh, we have a special guest back with us. I, I actually don't recall right off the top of my head how long ago it's been, but it's been a little while. We have Kristen Jensen with us, and so, Kristen, thank you so much for being back with us. It's great to be with you, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so when you were with us last time, I mean, I think a lot of people, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners are are familiar with uh, the book that you wrote, Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. Um, it's been a bestseller. It's helped just tons of parents just be able to begin navigating, hey, how do you help kids just begin to have these conversations about pornography and the dangers of it? Um, but you have a you have a new book out, which is uh, Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, Junior, and we actually have it here. And so... I would love for you to, I mean, I want us to just dive right in. First of all, why, uh, why write a book to children about pornography? Well, you want me to review how I got started? That's a, that is a good, really good question. Like what, you know, was I thinking? Well, I would never have come up with this on my own, but um, a friend of mine called me one evening and told me about how her 17-year-old son had been caught uh, sexually molesting his younger brothers and sisters, and it was quite a large family, and come to find out he was involved with a lot of pornography, and I woke up the next morning and just felt so compelled to find an answer to help parents, you know, talk about this at a young enough age that it really will protect children and and help them understand that there are, you know, serious consequences to getting involved with pornography. And so that's how, why I started writing the first book. But then I started getting parents saying, well, I need this for my preschooler. And we had several asking me for a simpler version, something that they could read with their three-year-old. And I remember the first woman that came up to me after I spoke and said, would you consider writing a book for preschoolers? And it felt like someone had just sucker punched me because I'm thinking, wow, I was getting kind of a lot, a certain amount of pushback from people like seven years old. You want to talk to a seven-year-old about pornography? And now this mother is asking me to write book for a three-year-old. So I thought, well, and then I kept getting more and more 
mm-hmm. parents wanting that book. So we started, uh, I started writing that book and working with uh, my illustrator and um, it took about a year and a half, but I think we were able to find a very comfortable way to help children who are going to be on the internet, and if kids are on the internet, they are at risk, a way to help them understand what pornography is, why it's dangerous, and what to do when they see it. So when you have, I'm sure one of the questions that you get fairly commonly is, is, okay, so at what age do I need to, you know, talk about this topic of pornography with my children? That's a, that's a question I think tons of parents have. Uh, I've actually noticed in our ministry a lot of times, um, seems like most of the parents, when they're asking it, they're already past the age where I, their kids are already past the age where I would have told them to start talking. But what do you typically say to parents when they say, oh, say, so what age, you know, how early is too early or when should I start talking to my kids about this dangerous topic of pornography? My answer is an answer I got from a therapist named uh, Jeffrey Ford, and he said, as soon as your child has any access to the Internet, and it's not a specific age, but -hmm. if you're handing your two-and-a-half-year-old or your three-year-old your phone to play a game on or an iPad, they need to have just some little age-appropriate, gentle way of, of knowing what to do if they see certain kinds of images or videos. Right. Now, when, and so, obviously, this book is, is, is meant for younger kids than what the original Good Pictures, Bad Pictures book. So, what would you say to parents out there uh, is the, some of the primary differences between what you put into this book versus the original Good Pictures, Bad Pictures book. Yeah. Well, this book is a hardcover book, and it's a, like a picture book, it's, but it's all good pictures. Don't worry. Yeah. Good pictures, <laughs> no yes. Pictures. Don't we, I've been asked that before. Do you have bad pictures in Good Pictures, Bad Pictures? No. No, we don't. Yeah. Um, this book, is far fewer words. It's very simple to go through. and it doesn't get into the brain science of addiction like the other book does. It simply helps children understand that there are good pictures in the world and there are bad pictures and bad pictures are pictures of people with little or no clothing on um, that show the private parts. Right. And Mm -hmm. so you can, and this book has little sticky notes, um, you know, in the illustrations that give prompts so that parents can stop anywhere along the way and have a little discussion about that prompt. And we don't use the word pornography in the main text of it, but there is one little sticky note that says, you know, grownups use a big word for bad pictures called pornography. You can go ahead and say pornography, which I don't right. have a problem with myself. Well, and but- I'm actually, I'm actually holding the book right now and I'm actually on that page where it's kind of early on in the book where it talks about um, some pictures aren't good and they're bad for you. And then that's where it has this down here where it says that's, you know, that the term that grownups use for this is pornography. And I, I like the layout of it. And um, 
I think I love the idea that there's all these little sticky notes in here. I think it's important for parents to know, um, you know, that this is a book that the content is directed to the child. I think sometimes, you know, there's a lot of parent books out there, right? That are trying to yes. give information to parents for them to then deliver to their kids. That's why I think is a little bit different about this book is this is written. It's like a children's book. It is a children's book. It's a so, read aloud book. You yeah. read it to your child and it's a tool to open that very important conversation in a way that's not going to ruin their innocence. That's actually going to protect their innocence and help you be a part of protecting that, that innocence. You know, parents, I've heard parents say all the time, okay, even experts, therapists or people that know a lot about pornography, they say, I know a lot about it, but I don't know how to talk to my kids mm -hmm. about it. Now, that's not ever. I'm sure there's some therapists that are fine, but I've had therapists come and tell me that. And so we just designed this as a tool so that you can just sit down, read it, and kids love this mm -hmm. book. Um, I've been kind of surprised at how uh, I've gotten feedback from kids that say, this is my favorite book. Um, they There are hidden uh, cameras uh, almost on every page. There's a, cameras you can look, so it kind of keeps your attention. They love to look for the little hidden camera. And um, we've tried to make it really fun and colorful and yet helpful. The other point I want to make about this book is that it's very non-shaming. Uh, we don't want kids to think that they're bad, even if mm -hmm. they see a bad picture. So we make sure that is a clear message. There's something good you can do if you see a bad picture. Yeah. And that message is uh, really, really important for children because children feel shame when they see pornography. They think they're going to get into trouble. They think that they're going to get blamed, right? Mm -hmm for seeing it. They think that the person that showed them to, you know, showed them the pornography might get in trouble. They don't want to be involved in that. So it's very non-shaming, very comfortable way of approaching this topic and really protecting your child from a lot of problems. Um, right. And what do you say to the parents that have what I consider a very real concern that comes in the form of the question of, you know, if I'm going to be having this conversation with my kid um, very specifically, even though we put it in the terms good pictures, bad picture, but we're really talking about pornography. Doesn't that have the potential to create a curiosity where it's going to introduce them to something that they want to search out versus the intended hope, which is causing them to be protected or not want to go do those things? How do you respond to those questions of parents saying, am I actually planting something in my kid that they're going to become curious about and then go do, do dangerous things versus just maybe if I could put this conversation off a little while, wouldn't that be better? Well, I'll tell you, it's all about how much control and influence you want to have on your child. So you have only really two choices. That is, uh, err on the side of letting Google determine when your child is introduced to pornography, the, anything about it, or taking control and say, hey, I'm going to inoculate you. So let's say we're, we're 
visiting a country where the risk for getting, you know, measles or something like this is very high. Now, you could go to that country and you could say, well, you know, I'm not going to worry about vaccinations. You know, we'll, we'll probably be fine. Mm -hmm. uh, when, um, you know, are you going to take that risk? Um, and actually, it's a lot, the risk is a lot higher that your children will be um, exposed to pornography uh, than that they would get some kind of childhood disease, really. So yeah. you, it, it just depends. You know, how much control do you want to have? If you, it, Yes, obviously there's a risk in everything. It may be that your child, but if you, if you get in there and say, I mean, do you, do you just say, you know, I, I don't want my kid to think that cars are dangerous. I mean, we drive in the car, and I don't want them to get the opinion that they're dangerous, so I'm not going to warn them to not run out into the street, mm -hmm. right? And we don't do that. We say, oh, don't run out into the street from the time they can walk. Always hold mommy's hand or daddy's hand when you cross the street. Watch out for cars, that kind of thing. It's the same thing. We send our kids out into the super highways of the internet, and they need to have a warning, an mm -hmm. age-appropriate warning. That's our responsibility. It's on us to protect them because there are very real dangers out there. And there, I have so many stories of kids getting um, exposed mm -hmm. to pornography at a very young age. And because no one had talked to them, they went on to get pulled into it, but others who were warned knew exactly what to do and were protected. Now, why do you think the parents, uh, and this is, seems to be universal, uh, this struggle, why do you think it's so difficult for most parents to even begin these conversations with their kids? I've found this to be almost universal among parents. In other words, I, I have yet to come across a parent that says, I feel completely adequate and not awkward whatsoever in talking about sexual stuff with my children. I mean, every, every parent seems to have a struggle here. Sure. Why do you think it's so hard for many parents to have what they know maybe intellectually is a really important conversation and really important conversations, plural, mm -hmm. to have? Why do you think it's so hard for them to step into those waters? Because we want our children to have a childhood that is free from this. We want to live in that place where they don't have to know about this till they're 14. Mm -hmm. The problem is we don't live in that place. So we just don't have that reality. But with, I mean, I get it. I feel the same way. I have a new grandson and I, you know, I really could see the struggle of like when he's three reading him the book grandma mm -hmm. wrote. Right. But, but my daughter's already letting him look at that book. And he's like seven months old. Right. So um, she just wants it to be a natural, normal thing. And I think that's the, the best way. I understand it is a struggle. But you know what? We can do hard things, right? We can yep. do hard things, especially, you know, when it comes to our children. If they were in danger, if they were had fallen into a lake, we'd dive in after. We would, you know, we would do anything to save our kids. And the perception of sometimes we just aren't really understanding mm -hmm. how dangerous 
the internet can be for young minds. So, well, and I would say too, I think some of it is that um, many parents haven't dealt with their own histories of pornography use or exposure or wounds or all kinds of things that might be wrapped around their own sexual brokenness. Mm -hmm. And so it feels terrifying then to realize that now they're, they're raising a little them that they go, I want to make sure that they don't go through anything that I went through, but don't realize maybe the necessity that some of that means they're going to have to go through their own healing journey. They're going to have to deal with their own. Some, some of these parents themselves are even still looking at pornography. Mm -hmm. So I can, and they may feel like a hypocrite. Yeah. I can, I can see where those could be barriers too. Yeah. That could be a barrier, but they would be doing the very best thing for their child to, to warn them and to have these conversations at an early age. And I want to just say that neither of my books bring in sex. So there's nothing in these books that will reveal anything about sex. So you can read them way before you even begin those conversations. And I will say that in my original book, there's a great chapter about the Attraction Center. And it is actually a, a nice launching point that you could use to start talking about sex and how babies are born and all that, but you, you don't have to, you mm-hmm. don't have to at all. You, you know, that comes when you're, when you're comfortable, but kids do need to know about sex earlier these days because they're getting yeah. all these sexual cues from the media uh, and, and even from their friends, dirty jokes, whatever um, that they, that they, and kids are just wired to try to figure out their world. And so, like, what is this thing called sex? And, um, man, you know, my, my dad, my mom haven't talked to me about it. It feels a little like secret. Um, you know, I'll just do what they do. I'll just Google it, which well, happened to an eight-year-old well, in, our, in our town. She had just been given the sex talk. She was given a mobile device. And instead of asking her parents more about sex, she just went and Googled it to see what she could find and then got into looking at pornography. Yeah. Well, let's talk about technology for a little bit because we live in a tech world. I mean, um, I used to think I was brilliant as a kid because when we finally got a VCR, I figured out how to, you know, set the clock on it. That's about, (laughs) you know, how I felt great about that. Well, obviously those days are long gone. We live in a whole new world now where, devices, screens, access, just data is around us all day long and around our children. Mm-hmm. And so what about the parents who are saying, listen, I, we, have, we have filters on everything. We have blocks. We, have, we don't have certain channels on our TV. We, maybe they even say, hey, listen, I've got router-based filtering in my house for the internet. So I don't really need to have a conversation with my kids other than to say, listen, the devices are all protected. What would you say to those parents that feel maybe what I would consider a false sense of security Mm -hmm. around just kind of locking down devices when it comes to this topic of pornography? Well, if their kids never go outside their house, ever. Or don't have any friends. (laughs) No friends or family members. um, Don't go to preschool. uh, Never go over to their cousin's house. Um, yeah, if you've got them locked in a basement, 
okay, maybe you're safe. But if these kids That's go out. That's a whole other out, set of problems. Yeah, we don't. Yeah, right. going on. yeah. <laughs> We hope you're not doing that. Uh, but if your kids, um, yeah, I remember talking to a, a mom one time and she said, you know what? I, I, I really, really think that my kids are, are fine. You know, mm. we have a very close knit group of, of families that we interact with and they're all, you know, really good. And, you know, they just don't. And I'm, and I'm just thinking like sh she's just betting on the fact that there's not going to be one little leak in her armor or one little chink in her armor. And when kids start going out into the world, it's uh, on the I, I say every school bus in America is a triple X theater. Mm -hmm. because of mobile devices. Well, and about three years ago, I think it was about three or four years ago, there was one aspect of a, a Barna research study that was showing that at that point in time, so it could even be more now, that 70% of teenagers didn't talk to their parents about what they were doing online. Mm -hmm. So it's mm -hmm. like we have this false assumption that my kids will just tell me everything because I told them once or twice, you can tell me anything. Yeah. And it's like, that's not how it operates in the real right. world. We, right. we can tell our kids all day long, you can tell me anything. It doesn't mean they will tell us everything right. that, they're, that they're looking at or right. seeing. So, there is a huge gap. And as they get older, I think it gets, in many ways, it gets wider. Uh, and some children, as they grow and get middle school and high school, they, they almost want to protect their parents. Mm-hmm. They don't want to let them know about the world that they actually are living in. Um, they want their parents to be blissfully ignorant. And um, I, I always tell parents to read the book American Girls, um, The Secret Lives of Social Media and the Secret Lives of Teenagers. Mm. That is eye-opening um, about social media and what it's doing to teens and how parents have no they're just not seeing it, and um, because you know, in social media, what what if the parents on Facebook, right? Mm -hmm. Facebook is feeding you what you want to see. Mm -hmm. If you're not on the the uh, apps that your kids are on, you just you have no idea what's being passed around, the pressures they feel. So we so have to kind of dive into their world sometimes and and try to see things from their point of view. Yeah, and I and and that's wonderful and I can imagine there's some parents out there right now that are listening that are going, "Okay, I'm I get it. I get the philosophy, I get the need. Um I have the desire." So, let's kind of uh shift gears here cuz you mentioned um you talk about how there are four best ways to protect your preschooler. So if you, this would be maybe practical to help those parents right. out there like, hey, give me some guardrails here, some handrails to hang on to. What would be those things that might help those parents practically begin to help their preschooler or their okay. young kid? Yeah. So the first one is to put a password, password protect all of your devices. This seems so simple mm -hmm. and obvious, but I think you'd be surprised at how many parents don't do that Right for ease of use. Um, they don't think their kids would, you know, there was a story of a, a little eight-year-old girl that would go up with her friend in her little playroom, get in the closet and watch porn on YouTube with their iPad. Wow. 
And she would just grab the iPad, kind of sneak it away and go. And, and it wasn't locked. And the first thing they did when they found out is put a, um, you know, a password on that thing. And I've told many parents, like, do you have a password on your, on your laptop? Do you have a password on your iPad? Do you have a password? Do you, you know, and mm -hmm. that's the first thing. So that's number one, very simple, but really important. Make sure that it's something that your kids don't know and can't figure out um, or change it often. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, then, you know, you should have some filtering devices mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, filtering on the devices. You should have something there. And you should talk to your kids. And don't set it up like, especially with older kids, right? Like, this is a fence. Because they'll just want to climb over it, you know? Right. Um, but just say, hey, we, you, we do this to protect all of us. We're not, just, yeah. we're not just putting this on you. We're trying to protect our whole family. And these are the things that we feel like will be helpful. Um, so make sure that you do have these filters um, installed. And then the other thing is when you get your kids like on certain apps, uh, for example, YouTube Kids, everyone trusted it until they found out there was horrible content being uploaded mm -hmm. and that was getting around the algorithms of YouTube Kids. And because it looked like, you know, Peppa the Pig, but it was a really horrible version of Peppa the Pig. and people knew that they could get a lot of clicks and then they could right. earn a lot of money. So, I mean, it's all, um, and I think YouTube kids has really cracked down on that, but you should be mindful that, um, it's nothing, nothing is perfect. And, um, they have some new controls. And so on our blog at protectyoungminds.org, uh, we have a post entitled at last stronger YouTube kids, parental controls, a step-by-step -step, uh, guide. And you can go there and you can also download um, some alternatives to YouTube Kids. So this is the thing. YouTube Kids is curated in a way, I mean, it's all done by computer algorithms, right? Right, right. It's not like every video that's uploaded is seen by an actual person at Google or YouTube. Right. Um, and they say, okay, well, this is all right. No, but there are some sites that, that are curated like by a human and they see, okay, this will, this is the only videos we have up on this site and they're all curated by a human. So I think we have a list of those and that could be something you would definitely want to look at. The fourth thing though is again, helping that child install an internal filter by starting that conversation at a young age. You know, young children, they're not blown away by this. They don't have all this baggage in their brain, like right. the horribleness of pornography and the violence and all that. They just know, oh, if I see a picture of people showing their private parts, I should tell mommy or daddy, right? right. It, and it's simple, just simple like that. We have all this baggage of what porn is in our brain. Um, and we think that's what we're kind of... Uh, exposing our kids to when we just give them a simple definition we're not so they will accept it just like you tell them you know uh, not to cross the street uh, without holding hands or, or in any of a number of different situations where they might be in danger so again that's why we 
wrote the book Good Pictures, Bad Pictures Junior to make it like super mm -hmm. easy, simple for parents to begin those conversations and continue them um, on a regular basis. And I love where that ultimately lands because it lands in the relationship between mm -hmm. the parent and their child. Because I think so many times parents unintentionally sort of pass off that responsibility to technology or to school or to some other entity or individual mm -hmm. when it really is about what are we doing to draw our kids into a conversation that is going to cause them to to not have shame surrounding their body or any of all kinds mm -hmm. of things but be mm -hmm. able to just have a very simple way to be drawn back into their relationship with their parents mm -hmm. uh, and I think it's a great, it's a helpful thing for parents too, because they're realizing, oh, I don't, I also don't have to have shame around my body and shame. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. I think there's a subtle way that even your book can be teaching parents yes. about healthy yep. viewing and healthy choices about mm -hmm. media and things like that. Jonathan, you're absolutely right. Um, and there is a, a few lines about that. Like all parts of our body are good, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, our private parts are good. Um, every part of your body is good, including your private parts, but taking pictures of them is not good. <laughs> and so um, the other thing I wanted to say is I've had so many parents tell me that, wow, I used your book and I started this conversation and now we actually feel a lot closer. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's so, and, and the burden is just lifted from the parents because you may not know your burden, but you are. You, you may not even be aware of that mm -hmm. burden until you start this conversation and you feel this like, okay, I'm actually starting to protect my child. Yeah. And it wasn't that bad. You know, right. it, it really wasn't that hard. So. So we are about out of time, but I would love for you to tell our listeners how they can get a copy of the book and also just the other resources that you mentioned uh, about like the blog and some of the other um, sites and things like mm -hmm. that. So where can yeah. our listeners go to uh, get a copy of the book and those resources? So they can go to our website, protectyoungminds.org and click on the books tab and get more information about the books. You can purchase them through that website, but ultimately you can go to Amazon and uh, we sell them on Amazon as well. So either way, um, you can find out a little bit more about them on our website and use our link or you can go directly to Amazon uh, to find Good Pictures, Bad Pictures and Good Pictures, Bad Pictures Junior. And also, uh, Protect Young Minds is really our labor of love for parents. We um, have uh, lots of free tools and uh, great blogs written from experts and that are tackling tough questions that we get from our readers. Mm -hmm. So uh, most of this we don't make up. We just, we just listen to our readers and our audience, and then we answer those questions that they have, and some of them are pretty tricky, and yeah. we go out to get the answers from experts and from other parents. So it's a great resource to, to turn to. We just want to mentor and help and encourage parents to raise kids safely in, in the digital age. 
Well, Kristen, thank you so much for your time and for, uh, for putting these resources out there to help parents. And uh, we, we're just grateful for um, just you being with us today. Thank you so much. Yeah. And listeners, of course, we're always glad that you're with us and we look forward to having you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. Take care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.